Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Every parent wants their child's school life to be great. So today we're talking to Davinda Jandu, head teacher at Yarnfield Primary in Tysley who has bags of experience in helping families make the right decisions and easing those school day blues. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring people to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. Davinda has suggestions on how to choose the right school, what questions to ask and clues to look out for, and what to do if your chosen school is oversubscribed. She offers advice to families who may be struggling. We all know that tantrums in the morning and clinginess in the playground is no fun for anyone. And she talks about what's being done to help kids catch up post-lockdown and how to make the transition to high school easier. So hi, Davinda. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Zoe. Hello, everybody. So I know having a child starting a school can be such a daunting prospect for parents and children. What can you say to put them at ease? I think the first thing is to say that um, it's part of the natural process. The first part of when a child, when you first have your child, um, you're their teacher and you've taught them everything that you can. And then it's important that the children then start to go, join a wider group, a wider social group. So it's about thinking, knowing your child and, and looking to have that best fit and that best match with what your child needs as you start looking for the school so if your child has a particular interest in um in being outdoors then look for a school that's got a good outdoors early years um space because that's where your little one is likely to thrive most um if your child has um likes to be indoors and has lots uh, has an, a creative imaginative mind and likes role play then look for uh, an early year setting that promotes the role play indoors so that 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 transition from home to school has that element of familiarity for the for the children yes so what are your tips on making sure that you find the right school for your family I think the thing that's most important, and I, and I know that um, we read what's in the media and we look on the websites, and absolutely it's important to do your homework uh, about the school. But for, for, for me, the thing that's most important is that the values and what the school um, school's ethos resonates with um, with you, you, you as a family. Um, and 
and so go and visit the school go and see the school when the school is in full action on a normal day um, and get a feel of what's what's happening and I always say to um to, to everyone you know life is about the fact that if your head your heart and your stomach all sink um, then you know it's right so if you go into a school walk around have a look to see what's happening what the children are doing and all the time kind of look to see how you're feeling about um, what you're seeing because what's right for one um, child and one family may not be right for another um, so absolutely go and have a look around the school ask questions ask lots and lots of questions till everything feels right for you um, no question is ever a silly question um, and there's no such thing as too many questions so absolutely do your homework but most importantly go and visit the schools and get that feel for yourself so is it possible to go in and arrange uh, uh, just to, to call up and arrange to visit in when the school's in in action as it were rather than waiting for an uh, an open day or open evening Absolutely. I would say that, um, you know, if you're looking for a school, you want to make sure that that, that that relationship between yourself and the school is a positive one, one where the school is accessible. So um, do ring up the school and ask to make an appointment to come and have a look at the school. I personally think it's really important to see the school on a normal day. Um, and so if and all schools I know are willing to um have parents come into school under the current climate you may be asked to do a lateral flow test but outside of that absolutely um, make an appointment ring up the school um, if a school says they only, only are only going to have their open days that says something to you about whether that's right for you or it isn't so um, everything every every step that you take um, do what is right for you and as long as it resonates with you and it syncs with what, what you believe, then you know that that school is going to be right for your child. So what kind of questions should you be asking as you go around and visit the school? I think that the, so for, it's about finding out what the school does um, to help the children settle in. Um, um, is there flexibility? Because for some children, um, they go into school on day one because they've been to preschool and nursery and they're ready to go. Other children need a slower, staggered start in, into, into um, starting their school career. So finding out what, what does a school offer in terms of that flexibility of, of when children start. Um, also to find out what is um, what the expectation is from uh, the school that the families do. So, you know, most schools will say they would like their children to um, read regularly at home. Um, but what does the school do to help the parents to know what to do? So what's that communication like? Because like any relationship, communication is absolutely vital. And so um, asking the questions around um, how, how, how you have, what you have for lunch, what happens at the beginning of the day, what happens at the end of the day, um, so that you've got a flavour of what your child will be doing as the day goes on. Um, asking for copies of things like the school menu, asking whether you're able to come in and, and taste the food, because that's a key part. Um, because when your child starts school, if they have a school dinner, um, that probably be one of the few, first times that you your child will be getting a meal that you haven't prepared and I think as you know 
I've I've got a 24-year-old now, but I, I remember um, how it feels to hand over your child to somebody that you haven't necessarily chosen. Um, and so all, ask those questions about the things that are most important for, so that you have a clear picture of what it's going to be like if your child was to be in school, in that school, uh, and what, what that day would look like. So as you walk around, what kind of signals and um, signs should you be looking for? I would be saying it's about those relationships. What's those relationships between the children uh, and the adults? What's the relationship between the adults amongst themselves? Um, uh, is there a positive feel uh, and a positive vibe around the school? Um, and, and and looking to see, you know, are the children happy and content? Is there a that buzz of when children are um, enjoying their work and, uh, and and enjoying being there? Because it's if your child is happy in school and they're settled, then they will thrive. So um, look for those happy faces and look for those relationships. Um, and and again, you know, if what you see sinks if your head, heart and stomach sink, then you know that, that it's the right place for, for, for your child. Um, because the content of what's going on in, in the classes is um, that, the, that, that the teaching is happening and your child will slot into that teaching if those relationships and the atmosphere is right. And then look at the sort of the expectations, look, have a look at the work, um, open a book and think, yeah, does, does the presentation look right? Um, are, are expectations high? Um, but they are all secondary. It's about how your child's going to be fitting in and, and whether the other children in school are happy um, and, and they enjoy being there. So I'm really hearing from you that you know, it's a lot about trusting your instinct, really. And do you think you should be asking your child for their reaction as well, especially, you know, if you've taken them around with you? Definitely. Um, and, you know, ask them, you know, um, would they like to go to that school um, and what do they like most about it? Um, because then if that's a school um, where your um, where your little one starts, that's a good place to then take that conversation because when you're saying you're going to start so-and-so school, at that point you can say, do you remember when you went and we, we, we saw um, we saw the trains or we saw the climbing frame um, and so the children are able to make that connection. So absolutely um, ask those questions to, to your little one as you go through. What about Ofsted reports? I mean, what should you do if your local school has had a, a more negative Ofsted rating? I think the um, Ofsted reports are a, uh, a snapshot in time. Um, and we know when you know when you're in Ofsted window um, and when you get the phone call for, for, for an inspection, it's less than 24 hours. So Ofsted are seeing the school as it is, but schools are forever evolving places. Um, you know, we have schools that uh, have got an outstanding judgment, but and that judgment is 12 years old um and lots of things have changed in that school you know look to see what's happened read the Ofsted report but go and have a look at the school and look to see what has changed um and is what you're seeing in the report um a reflection of what what you are seeing when you go into school because I mean for instance Yarnfield's been on a very positive journey um and we had a monitoring visit recently, but our full Ofsted report was in 2018. The school has moved on a huge amount since then. And so I would 
you know, if, if a parent was coming to Yarnfield, I'd be saying, yeah, read the report, come and have a look at the school. But the report is a good place to start asking some of those questions because then you can see, is that still how the school is or is it different now? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a good starting point for questions. So I know a lot of parents um, end up feeling quite disappointed if they don't get their chosen place. If your um, chosen school is oversubscribed um, and you're worried that you're not going to get a place, what should you do, do you think? Is there anything that you can advise? I think the first thing I'd say is um, cast your net a little wider um, because think about why you've got that as your chosen school. Is it because of um, things that you've heard? Have you been to see that school? Um, and, And then to think, okay, right, these are the top five things I would want to see in a school for my child. Go and visit five schools and then see which one best fits yours. So it may be that the oversubscribed school isn't the right school for your child. Um, so then that that you can close that worry down. If you are um, if you're in in a, in a catchment area. Um, and there is a, an oversubscribed school. The school um, has an admissions policy and um, every school has to put that on their website. So check the website um, and the admissions policy. It always says that if, you, if you're a looked after child, you, you get priority. Then if you have a child with special needs, um, then it is a sibling in the school. And then it comes to um, your um, your catchment. So if you live in, in, in a close vicinity of the school or if you're further away. So if you know that you only live a stone throw away from the school, then you are more than likely to get your place. Um, if you live further afield, then you you know that there's a possibility that you may not get that um, place in that school. So then start to cast your night nest wider and start looking um to avoid any disappointments, because when the um, when that email hits your inbox or that letter hits your uh, mat at home, um, what you don't want to do, if you can help it, is to show disappointment um, to your youngster, because then that's their, their first impression, and they will think yeah. this is not a good thing. So it's about um, looking at as many schools as you can, cast your net wide, go and see all of them, um, and then just kind of prepare yourself to think, okay. If the admission policy says X, Y, and Z, how close to that those um, those criteria am I? We've had some questions in actually. Um, one of our Brummie mummies, Emma, has said uh, she's asked if you could tell us a bit more about the selection process. She says um, there are misbeliefs that head teachers are able to award spaces, um, and she feels that really clear and concise confirmation as to how applications are process uh, a process would be super useful. Could you give us a bit more information about that? Absolutely. So um, they are. So you, you fill your application form in, and that goes to um, the city council, and then um, it's distributed back out to schools according to the number of first and second choices that um, parents have put. The um, allocations are done according to the admissions policy, um, and the so it, it as I said earlier. You know, check the website, um, 
but generally the, the admission policies always uh, go in the order of a looked after child, a child with special needs, if you've got a sibling in school, and then um, the, the attachment of how close you are to the school. So you can kind of start to do some of that selection process yourself because you can think, right, yeah, okay, so my child hits this criteria uh, or doesn't hit this, this one, and this one. So you can start, kind of start to judge, work out where um, you might be. Um, and then it's about the number of places that are in the school. So at Yarnfield, we are three form entry primary school. So we have up to 90 children in our reception. Um, so look at how big the school is, because if, you, if you're a one form entry school, um, then you can only have 30 children max, because in, in early years, um, classes can't be bigger than 30. So we, um, so then you, that, that will also help you to gauge. Head teachers, um, we don't have a say. Um, there is no, um, we don't see, the only list we see is a list of our first and second choices so that we know how many places we've got. Um, and um, the only other criteria would be if it's a, a, a faith school where they have, a, a part of their criteria would be that they, um, you know, you need to attend the um the church or um, the mosque or the temple um, and, and then the, but that criteria will also be in uh, but absolutely head teachers have uh, have no say and we wouldn't want to because we you know our schools and I, I think I speak for um, every primary head teacher in the land um, we're in uh, we're all inclusive schools we want to um, it's important and certainly is important for um, for me as, as, a, as a principal is that we have a true reflection of the society that we live in so that our children learn to work alongside a variety of, of, of people. Um, and so it's it's important that we do have that that whole sort of you know representation of society. Um, so I don't think any, any head teacher would be wanting to select um, but absolutely, no, we don't have a say. Thank you for uh, explaining that really clearly for us. Uh, we've had another question from um, a mom, Samantha. She's asked for your opinion on compulsory school age starts for summer borns. Um, and if you've had any evidence for and against a delayed start in reception rather than year one. Um, and Karina's also asked a similar kind of thing. Have you, do you have many CSA starters in your school? So I'll, in, in, at Yarnfield we don't, um, and there is there is there isn't a lot of strong evidence to show that um, children who are summer born um, need to have that delayed start. What I'd say is that the biggest difference between so the reception, the nursery reception years are called the they're called the early years, foundation years, and then we go into key stage one for year one and two. They're called the foundation key stage because that um those the experience that the children get in nursery and reception are um are, are laid the foundation for future learning. So I would be saying that um you know, get your child into school as soon as they are, you know, the term, the year that they are five. So they've got, a, a, they've got that length of time to build on, to get their foundations, um, skills in, um, you're learning to, in, and in the early years, it's learning through, through play, um, and children are able to learn to interact with each other, um, develop their inquisitive skills, um, develop the 
the skills of interacting, um, turn taking, all of those things. And the earlier we can get the children um, into school to be able to do that, the better it is for for for, the, for, for them. Um, Having said all that, if a parent wanted to delay that start, a, a child legally doesn't have to be in school till the term after they are five. I would say if you're, if that's something that you're thinking about, then look at um, a gradual process. So, you know, in the autumn term, when your little one has just turned four, really, um, then you might think, OK, well, I'd like them to go to school for some of that time. Um, so part time um, and then to build on that. Um, the children also start in, in the foundation and reception, um, start to do their phonics um, and do those building blocks for, for reading. So the, the longer that they are not in school, the more difficult it is for them to be able to catch up. Um, so have a conversation with um with with the school with, uh, and uh, every child is different but um i'd absolutely say get the get your child into school at the um at the start of the autumn term some really useful information here devinda thank you i wanted to ask you about um something that we've been debating on the brummy mummy's facebook page and that is the prospect of a longer school day to help children to catch up what are your thoughts on that um, I think it's uh, there's there's lots of um, there's been lots of conversations um, at sort of ministerial level about extending that day. I think it's about capturing um, the age of of of, of a child. Um, so in secondaries and at, uh, within um, Summit Learning Trust, um, our year 11s have um, session five, so they have an extra hour every day um, to catch up, but they, and, and they're six, 15, 16, they're older, um, and that adding that extra hour to their day um, isn't, isn't going to be, it's only going to be positive, it's not going to have a, um, a negative impact. Um, for our youngest children, um, adding time onto their day is um makes them tired so it's about how how responsive will they be and what will be the impact of, of, of extending the day so i think it's age appropriate what we do at yarnfield is we have extended our day in the sense that during covid we had a staggered start we started at half past eight um so that to to, to avoid bubbles and mixing um we've kept that so we've, we've kept that flexible 15 minute start in the morning because we actually found that it was good for our children um, gave our children time to come in and settle. And um, we've got a slightly longer day at the end. So um, we have a staggered finish at the end of the day, but parents can collect their children when they collect the last child. So for some of our children, um, they've got an extra 15 minutes in the morning and they've got an extra 15 minutes um, at the end of the day. And that has shown to, and that's proven to be really, really positive. And the impact that that's had on the children has shown that they are ready to learn and that that day isn't too long. And then um, we um, have extended our day for some of our year sixes um, for those children who just need that extra little bit of support and have um, have, have the stamina to to uh, to extend their day so i think it's about in, uh, checking in and making sure that you know we're not just doing it for the sake of and children are having um are, are gaining a benefit from it 
Um, and then it's about looking to see right, what's the most creative way to do that. Because we all know and we all recognise that, um, you know, families did a fabulous job during um, lockdown and with, with home learning and remote learning. Um, but for some children, they have lost some of that learning. And so we need to look at what's the best way to do that. And sometimes extending the day isn't because the children, that child may not have the stamina, as I said, to, to be able to um, sustain and, and gain the most from it. Um, but definitely according to age. Mm. And there's an, an, a tailored approach um, rather than a one size fits all. 100% Zoe I think you know I think that's what we have to be careful of is that, that we don't do one size fits all mm. because the flip side of that is we could have children who are then disaffected yes the day is too long um so um yeah tailor tailor fit to to, to to the individuals yeah yes so how important is it for a school to have connections with the local community and is that something that parents should ask about as they're visiting a school for the first time? Community is something that um, you know there's a saying isn't that it takes a community um, to, to raise a child and certainly at Yarnfield that that is absolutely the case um, so community is, is, is so important and and, and I think that personally I think that you know one, one of the positive things about COVID has been that um, communities come back in the forefront because we now do look out for each other a bit more. We notice when we haven't seen somebody for a while, and um, and people are more willing to um, to speak to each other. And I think you know a few years ago, I think that was going. So now I think for schools, we are in a in a in a prime position to be a key person in bringing that community together. So you know. If you're listening to this and um, you've got a bit of time and you want to go and do a bit of voluntary work in, in a school, you know, um, go along to your local school. It's something that Yarnfield, we are encouraging and promoting because, you know, earlier on, Zoe, you asked the question about extending that day. Um, but sometimes it's about that resource, about resources. So if there are um, people who in the community who, who are um able to come into a school and hear children read or do some cooking with them or some activities all of those things enrich what happens um to, to, to you know in a children's in a child's learning experience so um i think community communities are really really essential and i think you know the more that we reach out to um to schools reach out to the community and vice versa i think they uh, only the children are, are the ones that will benefit the most Yes. In fact, enrichment is something I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, do you think it's really important that schools offer after school clubs? And has that been really quite affected by COVID? Um, absolutely, yes. The offering after school clubs is um, is something that, that helps the child to develop their, their personal skills um, and have an opportunity to do some of the things that they may not get to do. Um, if they if schools didn't have the after school clubs so it's absolutely a key part um some schools um buy in external services and so companies there's lots and lots of companies who are um willing to to go into schools um that obviously comes at a cost um lots of schools use their own resources and staff volunteer to to run after school clubs um but it's about ensuring that we enrich the um the children's experiences and 
we do that in in, a, in an environment that they are they're already familiar with. Um, the after school clubs are um, are something that you know. I think sometimes parents um, will use after school clubs because it it works for childcare, um, and that absolutely is is one strand. But it's also about um, the, the other strand is about okay. So, you know, we talked earlier about the uh, a child's day and their stamina and um, and and what they can gain and and extend the school day. Having after school clubs that give you an opportunity to do different things will probably be more fruitful um, for 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 the children than more of the same. Um, so I think after yes. school clubs definitely. So you know, and it's about that enrichment of opportunity. It's a good chance for them to learn some life skills, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and think you know, and um, because you only know. You know, you know what you're interested in if you if, if you have a go um and so if you if we offer a range of after school um, activities you then think right you know what I went to drama and I actually really like drama um or I did um you know um singing and not not for me then you as, as an individual as children you're growing and understanding yourself because you're able to think right this is where these are things I like these are my strengths and and it also teaches children skills of resilience and perseverance um in you know so if you're like me and not very good at sport um you know but you know you can either give up on the first day or you, you you're signing up for six weeks so you've got to do it every week and then you build your resilience to that so it, it's, it's also um giving children the chance to build those other skills as well and we've seen that's been more important than ever throughout the pandemic and being kind of at home schooling and things like that um I know that the COVID obviously has had an impact on school life. Has uh, has it meant that it's that you've missed out on some enrichment activities? Absolutely. So last academic year, um, I, there were no after school activities because we were very every, every, everything was in a bubble. Um, so you know it, the chance of you, you wanted didn't want to make sure that you you mixed bubbles. Some schools did. Um, after school clubs but on a very very slow staggered um staggered approach what we found at Yarnfield is that um initially that take up wasn't the children weren't hungry for the after school clubs and um and some parents were quite reserved about um sending their children to after school clubs so we're seeing that momentum pick up now and part of that is during lockdown we also um, because we didn't have the chance to socialise with each other as much as we had previously, and for for some for some youngsters that became the norm, and so it you know what they want to do is at the end of the day they want to go home because that's where they've spent a big chunk of their their time. So um, if your if a school does offer after school clubs, you know get your child there because we want to get those social skills and that interaction with. Um, a greater range of people um, up and running as soon as we can, so that you know we've got we've got confident youngsters. Are you finding that particularly with new school starters in reception that they they seem different to previous years because they haven't had that social interaction? Uh, yeah, definitely. There's definitely um, a, a difference between um, reception, but also year one and year two because some of those children. Um, you know that they're, they're 
their previous years weren't complete years um yes. so they missed out in 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 their reception year they missed out in their year one year so this idea of attending an after school club is like oh not sure you know I just want to go home um so it, you know absolutely encourage your, your children to to attend the after school clubs because there is a difference um the children um this year are not as hungry uh, for those uh, um, additional activities as they have been previously um, so I think COVID has absolutely had um, had, had an impact and for children's mental and mental health and well-being we need to get them out we need to get them um, doing things and need them to go back to life as normal as, as possible so social interaction is absolutely key do you think some of the children have found either starting or coming back to school more nerve-wracking than before? I think children, coming back to school, I think children have been more enthusiastic. Um, mm. What we found is that um, the children have missed coming to school, so the fact that they are now back and they can, they haven't got the restrictions of bubbles um, are now... Um, their enthusiasm is is much much greater, um, and from you know from a from somebody who's been in school since she was five, um, I think the that hunger for school is probably at its greatest, um, and that appreciation of the fact that school is a good place to be um, is, you know, it, it just kind of oozes out of the children um, and the parents as well. So. Um- once you've got a school place for your child, what can parents do to make that transition into school easier for their child? I know you've talked a little bit about saying, you know, we remember we saw the climbing frame and we uh, we saw the train set and things like that. What, what other things can people do to, to make it easier for children? So the first thing I'd say is don't go and buy their uniform on the day that you get the confirmation that yes, your child yes. is starting school because uh, they grow and they grow so quickly that the uniform won't fit. But, um, you know, do, do walk to the, um, walk the route so that um, children, your child becomes familiar with um, the, the way that they will go to school, go past the school um, and, and, and so that you can sort of have a peep through and say, oh, look, you know, can you see that that's going to be your classroom? Um, the school will invite you back in um, for open days and some transition days um, so that children have, that the children will get an opportunity to, to see that, meet their class teacher and be in the, in the classroom when it is theirs. So um, every Every school, uh, every every class, every school, every um, has a transition day. So the reception class, those children move up to their year one class for uh, half a day or a day, and the new children come in. So the children have the opportunity to be in that class. That's going to be their class, um, and so. So you, you, you're walking, you walk backwards and from forwards from school. So you've got the route. Um, make links with the school and if the school's got events happening such as summer fairs um, or anything that's open to the public as well go along so that you are meeting that community you're meeting some of the people that are going to be um, in the school when your your little one starts um, and just a, a sort of a, a drip feed of um, of things that um, that that give the give your little one the 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 notion that they are going to go to school um you know 
don't buy them a pencil case because they won't need it. Um, buy them a really cute lunch box that they like um, and a nice little rucksack that they're going to put the rucksack, uh, their lunch box in. Um, and then talk about the, you know, the school shoes that they're going to need. And um, so just week week on week, just a little bit about this is what you will do to get you get you ready for school. Start doing some um, looking at and sharing books with um with your child um, if you haven't done so already take them to the local library and get them sort of just to be able to sit on the train in the, in the local library and just um, look through a range of books and just be able to pick a book um, point out letters to them as they're walking um, along the street so that they can they can see um, that the letter sounds um, don't be overly pushed to think right let's get the formal bits done because they'll be they will be picking up a pencil and they will be doing writing their name um it's that sort of understanding that there's going to be a change of environment um and what that environment's going to look like because it's like all of us isn't it? even as adults if we know there's a big change coming on the horizon we have to build ourselves up to it gradually um if we ignore it and think it's not going to happen it's more of a shock to our system so it's yes. just that gentle drip feed yeah because it is a big thing for them to get their heads around isn't it I, I knew a little girl who was really excited about starting school and went and had a great day and then the next morning said oh have I got to go again she thought she'd done school in one day <laughs> absolutely and I'll tell you Zoe, what's really um what happens is children come to school um and they start and they really enjoy it and then they get a bit tired. And then I always say that November is the hardest month for a five-year-old because they've been to school, they've done it, the novelty's worn mm. off. Um, it's dark when they get up, it's dark when they're going home and um, there are no holidays in November, so they've got no break. So that's when you'll find that your your youngster is at their most sort of tearful and it isn't because... Um, they're unhappy at school or anything is happening it's because they have done school the novelty's worn off and um, they, they, they're just tired um, but yeah absolutely the novelty's worn off hasn't it <laughs> by November um, yes. but uh, yeah so it is it's strip feeding them through. I mean do you have any suggestions as to what parents can do if their child is feeling a bit upset or nervous about going into school in the morning? It's about talking about the positives. So, um, you know, I, I, I say to people, right, so before you go to bed, say, you know, think of three good things that have happened. So that there's those positive thoughts. And, you know, if the children are going to dream about something, it's 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 positive. And then in the morning, um, talk about, oh, today, remember, you're going to do um, and keep the positives going because, um Sometimes children will say, so-and-so hurt me, so-and-so isn't speaking to me. And as a parent, your instinct is to draw into that because that's your little one and they are unhappy. Um, and but sometimes they children don't know why they're unhappy. They just don't want to go to school. Um, so it's about flipping it around. 
having a more positive mindset and and thinking about the positive things. And children will very quickly then think, oh, yes, I'm going to do this when I go to school today. And then they they start to get get into the, the mode of, yeah, I'm going to attend school and it's going to be fine. So three positive things before they go to bed, three positive things first thing in the morning and keeping it all positive um, and the positive experiences. If your child isn't um, isn't settling, then, you know, do go and talk to school. The school will keep that communication going with you all the time as well. Um, but do it away from from your little one. Um, you know, talk to the teacher, ask for a time that the, the teacher can can meet up with you. Um, because what if, if, if your little one hears that um, because if they see that you're upset, um, which is absolutely natural, um, then they'll think that there is something to be to be worried about, um, and uh, so have those conversations with the school, um, meet up with the, with the class teacher, um, but don't do it in front of your little one. Yes, and what about at the end of school, the end of primary school? What can parents do to help to make the transition to high school easier for their child? Uh, okay, so what I'm going to say about um, secondary is my daughter, when she went from primary to secondary, the biggest shock wasn't for her. The biggest shock was for me because mm. the level of independence, um, you go from being this parent who um, your child needs you for everything and then they move into being this extremely independent person. Um, so some of that transition is about how parents also um, cope with their child moving to secondary. Um, and again, secondary is, um, it, it's that whole independence thing because when they go to secondary, they've got to take a bag and they've got to carry their books. They've got to make sure they've got the right equipment in school with them. Um, on the right day so start to look at some of those organizational skills um, so you might want to set some sort of tasks for your child um, leading up to them going to secondary so you know asking them to pack certain pack their own lunch um, if, if they have a packed lunch and then just checking in to make sure that they've got um, the right things in there um, and then putting a, a timetable up and saying, right, you know, PE in, when they're at primary PE is on a Wednesday. You need to make sure you've got your PE kit, um, checking that they've take, got their own resources. So all the things that we do as parents um, when our children are um, at primary, we will we'll get things ready for them. So start to have that transition of getting your child to start doing those things for themselves. Um, our children, the number of children over the years of when they're, the thing that they find the hardest about going to secondary is um carrying their bag all day um mm. and they haven't you see they, they, they go to primary they they come in they hang their coat up they put their bag down and then they don't have to carry anything again and you go from that to carrying uh, everything so you know getting getting them used to carrying you know help them ca get, carry the shopping so they're just getting used to carrying a few things um so that, that that's one and the other is about you know things like reading a timetable um because again at primary they're in the same class they are um and the timetables on the, on the wall and things are pretty much the same every day um when they get to secondary they've got to know that if it's you know some secondaries have like a week a and a week b they've got to know which which week's which and um, what what books have they got to get ready so getting them to start looking at how timetables work 
second the primary schools we will do that as well um in that in that in, in the second half of the summer term and get some of those skills if your child's got um additional needs special needs then um try and get make contact with the secondary school and ask for additional um transition days um because that's that's really important and if you think your child's going to be somebody who's going to struggle with settling into a new environment um then again ask for um ask for additional transition days and just so as we're saying about you know when your five-year-old starts and you're selecting that school and you go and have a look um again it's vital again i think to you know um go and see the secondary schools in action um, because the open day will only give you a flavour of one aspect of what that school looks like. You want to see what the school looks like when it's full of all of those um, youngsters, including the very tall 16-year-olds. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 then um, and and again, having that same thing about making sure that your head, heart, and stomach sink when um, when you walk around that school and imagine that your child. But getting them to become more independent is a, a, an absolute key for secondary. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking us through all these tips and ideas and advice, Davinda. That's been really, really helpful. No, thank you. Thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and if anybody has any questions, Zoe, and they um, send them to you, I'm more than happy to answer them. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. Davinda's approach is reassuring and makes you realise how much you can do as a parent to make school life go well for your child. Pick up more tips and ideas from Davinda on our Brummy Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. This is a laudable production brought to you by Brummy Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up to our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.